This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Legend of the Bones. Following in the footsteps of giants, Legend of the Bones is a chimera. A mix of old school tabletop RPG and dark fantasy storytelling. As its name might suggest, in Legend of the Bones, the dice rule. There'll be no rerolls, no fudging the dice, no metacurrency. The roll of the bones will determine the character's destiny, and no one will be spared their fate. None shall escape the destiny of bone. Last time on Legend of the Bones. After the battle with the Hydra, Several of the party were badly injured, so the decision was taken to rest at the lake overnight. Lena prayed to the Nine for the miracle of healing for Kia and Valen, whilst the mage used his power to send the rogue into a healing sleep. The next day, Lena prayed for further miracles to heal Valen and Talia, though a number of the party remained injured. Yora found a gold armoring among the litter of an abandoned campsite, and the contingent of the Skarne decided to give it to Beric for his valour in battle. After breaking camp, the company continued to the woodland of Marokus, but became disorientated and lost until a gust of wind carried to them the sound of waves and seabirds. Following the sound, the companions emerged from Marokus at the cliffs overlooking the Bay of Sorrow, which enabled them to find a path to the foot of the hill upon which the ruins of the fortress of Kerodu were situated. Climbing the hill, the company passed through the dilapidated and crumbling walls of the old fortress, and here, in the grounds, they discovered a lifelike statue of an ancient warrior. After, among the collapsed remnants of a blacksmith's forge, Kier found a vial containing a pale yellow liquid, which he gave to Valen. But before the mage could inspect it, the company's attention was drawn by the beautiful, yet haunting sound of a woman singing. Chapter 26 Part 1 Day 33 Afternoon Party Status Beric 21 out of 23 hit points Lena 13 out of 16 hit points Kier 8 out of 10 hit points Valen 9 out of 11 hit points Talion 12 out of 16 hit points Knut 20 out of 20 hit points Yora, 12 out of 12 hit points. Bjorn, 9 out of 12 hit points. Arn, 12 out of 12 hit points. Spells available. Valen has memorized Push, Shield, and Soothe. Talion has memorized Poetic Prose and Resolve.
the company all stopped and slowly turned their attention towards the captivating song. The voice was airy and ethereal and possessed a purity of timber that none had ever heard before. The voice seemed to come from on high before echoing and resonating about the grounds of Kerudu. And as they listened, each of the companions were one by one transported to a place of memory and comfort. A place that called them, beckoned them with the promise of solace. And they each longed, with the deepest desire in their hearts, to follow that sweet singing, and so be led to that place which would heal their souls. The singing that has so captivated the companions is that of a harpy. These evil creatures have the body of a giant eagle and the head of a hideous old crone. However, their song has the ability to charm those that hear it, should they fail a safe versus spell, and the harpy will lure any charmed creature to their doom. Charmed characters will move towards the harpy, resisting any who try to prevent it. Defend the harpy, obey the harpy's commands, if understood, are unable to cast spells or use magic items, and are unable to harm the harpy. Any character who passes their save is unaffected for the rest of the encounter. The enchantment is broken if the harpy attacks the charmed character or if the harpy is killed, but I am also going to rule that if the harpy is injured, the song is momentarily interrupted, and charmed characters will get to make a second save versus spell to see whether they snap out of the enchantment. I am also going to rule that if a charmed character is attacked by something else, they will defend themselves, but will do so with a minus two to their armor class, and they will not retaliate with any attacks. The harpy is situated at the top of the southeast tower of Kerudu, looking down upon the courtyard, and it will attempt to lure the characters inside the fortress where other evils await. So let's find out who has been affected. Each character will need to roll equal or higher than their save versus spell stat or d20. Here we go. Beric needs a 16 or more. A 4. With her wisdom bonus, and her holy symbol conferring an additional bonus with its protection from evil power, Lena needs to roll a 12 or more. A 2. Kier needs to roll at least a 15. A 7. Valen also needs to roll a 15 or more. An 11. Talion will save on a 15 or more. A 6. Knut needs at least a 16. A 16! Thank goodness! I was beginning to think the whole party were doomed. Arn, Bjorn and Jura also need a 16 or more. A 19, a 17 and an 11. So that means only Knut, Arn and Bjorn are unaffected. Things are about to get very interesting. Chapter 26, Part 2 Lost in Memory Party Status The party status is unchanged. Knut stamped the snow off his boots as he walked in from the swirling storm outside. The meat hall, in contrast, was filled with the golden glow of the hearth's fire, as his brothers-in-arms sat either side of a long table, feasting and drinking. His father, Jarl Howald, 
sat upon a wooden throne at the far end of the hall, observing the proceedings with a look of satisfaction upon his face. A slave girl approached Canute demurely, and offered to take his white bearskin cloak. It was one of his most prized possessions, having had it since his trial of manhood, when he had killed the animal with nothing more than a dagger and a broken spear. He unbuckled the cloak and casually handed it to the slave, who took it with deference. Canute! A voice called his name. It was his brother, Ranolf. Canute smiled and walked over, taking a mug of ale from the tray of a passing slave as he did so. Brother! Canute said in greeting, and the two men knocked their mugs together. Skull! Come, sit. Ranolf instructed as he pushed the man sitting next to him. Make space for the Jarl's son. Everyone shuffled along, but Canute took his place on the bench. He took a swig of ale and wiped away the foam from his beard with the sleeve of his tunic. What news, brother? Canute asked. Ranolf leaned in. Father wishes to raid further south this summer. Where? Some place called Pow and More. Why there? Canute had never heard of Pow and More. A trader returned from there, not a month since. He told father about a monastery, and you know what they say. Where there's monks, there's money. Canute took another swig of ale. Across the table, Yora was making a crude joke at the expense of a male slave. Her lover, Arn, laughed raucously as Yora slapped the slave on the buttocks. A monastery, hey? Canute mused. Canute! The voice of his father bellowed across the hall. Everyone fell silent and looked towards the throne. Canute stood and turned towards Jarl Harald. This season marks ten summers since you became a man. And what a man you have become. Canute bowed his head at this rare praise. I'm proud of you, my son. We have fought and bled together, and we shall do so again. His father then broke gaze to look upon the assembled company. Warriors of my hall! Some of you know that I have made a pact with my cousin, Jarl Einar. We will sail together this season, and together bring back riches from the south. Harold looked back at Knut. And it is time, my son, for you to command a ship of your own. Akil has built his fastest yet, and I give it to you. Knut bowed his head in deference. You will honor me, father. Thank you. Howard simply nodded. And what will you name your ship, my son? At that moment, the door of the mead hall was blown open by the howling snowstorm. The cold wind made the fire in the hearth flutter before a slave pushed the door closed. Canute turned back to his father. I shall name it the Uver Drakkar. Lord! Lord! A distant voice called him pulling him away from the memory. His father, Ranolf, and the Mead Hall faded away. Lord! It was Bjorn. The warrior was shaking him by the shoulders. The courtyard of Kerudu came sharply back into view. The same hypnotic song could still be heard. The rest of the company were walking unguardedly towards the entrance of the fortress. Only Bjorn and Arn seemed to have their wits, and Arn was desperately trying to prevent the others from going inside. Lord, look! Bjorn pointed up to the nearest tower, 
where sat atop the stonework was a monstrous creature. It had the body of a giant eagle, but the head was that of a hideous old crone. Yet it was from its mouth that this beautiful song came. Help on! Canute commanded as he looked around desperately, searching for something he could use to interrupt the foul creature's song. His eyes fell upon Talion, who was at the back of the group, walking mesmerized with the others towards the fortress, and upon the bard's back was slung a bow. Okay, so with all my player characters under the Harpy's enchantment, I need to give thought to how the NPC allies will react. Putting my player hat on, I think Canute would grab the bow and quiver on Talion's back and try to shoot the harpy. The bow is not in Talion's hand, so I'm going to say that it takes Canute three rounds to retrieve and string the bow, and a fourth to take the shot. Talion won't resist this, so I'm not going to make any roll for taking the bow. Next, I'm going to roll 3d8 for the harpy's hit points. An 8. That's below the half min out, so the harpy's hit points are bumped up to 12. The harpy has an armor class of 12, but given Canute is firing upwards and the angle will put the harpy in partial cover, I am going to apply a minus 2 penalty, meaning that the Skardane warrior needs to roll a 14 or more to hit. A 15! Way to go, Canute! The arrow flies true, striking the harpy for. 6 points of damage! With that damage roll taking the harpy down to half its hit points, I think I'm going to make a morale test. The harpy has a morale of 7 meaning that it needs to roll equal or less than that to remain. A 12! The harpy howls in pain, and ceasing its song, it flies off to the south. The enchantment is broken, but is it too late? Chapter 26 Part 3 Day 33 Afternoon. Party status. The party status is unchanged, though all but Knut, Arn and Bjorn are under the Harpy's enchantment. The companions walked slowly but purposefully up the cracked and broken steps leading up to an arched portal. There were no doors, though the rusty broken hinges remained in situ. One by one they passed absently through the archway seeking a passage that would lead them to the heavenly music. Their bodies moved through the memory of muscle, for their senses were dulled and they were only dimly aware of their surroundings. Each was absorbed in some past memory, a daydream if you will, where one's perception is split between two different worlds. Bjorn and Arn pulled on their comrades' arms and clothing, trying to prevent their cautionless march into this foreboding place. But it was to no avail, as each brushed them aside, thus wriggled free of their restraint. Not that the companions took heed, but the space beyond would, in the past, have been some kind of entrance hall. But now, the upper floor had long since fallen to time, and now the space was open to the elements. Ahead, two huge wooden doors barred further progress, whilst to the west and east were open portals into the towers protecting each flank of the fortress. The company instinctively turned towards the eastward portal, but as they did so, strange hissing voices echoed about the chamber. Then, beyond the portal, movement could be seen in the gloom. 
there was the glint of light on metal as four figures emerged. They were repugnant and vile looking. Their bodies and limbs were humanoid, though their skin was scaly and mottled, while their heads were serpent-like, hairless with no external ears. The pupils of their yellow eyes were thin and filled with malice, and below their slits for nostrils, they had wide, fanged mouths from which forked tongues would dart. Only Bjorn and Arn felt the cold grip of fear at these abominations, as each hefted a cruel-looking falchion before letting out a blood-curdling hiss. Entering combat. The four guards are a custom creature I have created, called Serpentines. Once human, the powers of darkness transform Nedrezma's loyal retainers into human snake mutants. These are two hit dice creatures, and with their scale mail, they have an ascending armor class of 14. They get a plus two to hit, and attack each round with either their falchions, which deal 1d8 damage, or with their bite, which deals 1d4 points of damage plus poison. If poisoned, the victim must save versus poison, or suffer racking pain, causing one damage for six turns, though the poison from multiple bites is not cumulative. These creatures are fanatically loyal to the Serpentine Queen, and will neither yield or flee in the defense of her domain. First things first, let's see how many hit points the Serpentines have. For expediency, I'm going to roll once for all four. A nine. Okay, so whilst Knut has managed to break the Harpy's enchantment, I am going to rule that this does not happen until the second round of combat, meaning that those affected will suffer a minus two to their armor class in the first round. The Harpy's song, which has lured the characters here, also acts as an alarm to alert the Serpentines, and so they will not be surprised. But let's see if those unaffected by the Harpy's enchantment are surprised. A roll of one or two on a d6 mean they will be. A two. Oh, that's not good. The pair are so caught up trying to stop the others that Arn and Bjorn are taken by surprise. Round one. No initiative this round. The Serpentines get a free attack. I will roll a d10 to randomly determine who will be initially attacked. Once each Serpentine is engaged with one or more of the party, future attacks will be randomly determined between those subgroups. The first Serpentine will attack. An eight, that's Bjorn. Against the warrior's armor class, and with their attack bonus, the Serpentine needs to roll a 13 or more. A three. Bjorn sees the incoming attack and raises his shield just in time. The second Serpentine will attack. Yora. With Yora's penalty for being under the Harpy's charm, plus its attack bonus, the Serpentine will need to roll an 11 or more. Here is the roll. An 11 for three points of damage. The Serpentine's falchion bites into the Scarnate's arm, opening a vicious cut. The third Serpentine will attack. A five, that's Talion. Penalties and bonuses taken into account. The Serpentine needs an 11 or more to hit. A nine. The blow is misjudged, and the blade glances harmlessly off Talion's leather. The fourth Serpentine will attack. It's Yora again. Here is the roll. A 19 for... Four points of damage. The Serpentine's blade slashes Yora across the midriff. The Skarne warrior is down to five hit points. Round two. The Harpy's charm is broken. Initiative. The Serpentines. A three. The party. 
a one. This makes sense as the party is still regaining their wits. The first serpentine will attack. A five, that's Talion. The bard is no longer suffering a penalty to his armor class, and as such, the serpentine needs to roll a 13 or more. An eight. Talion steps aside just in time to avoid the blade. The second serpentine will attack. It's Yora. The Skarnay warrior isn't having a good time of it, and with only five hit points remaining, this is real danger. The serpentine will need to roll a 13 or more. Here is the roll. A four. Yora easily blocks the attack with her shield. The third serpentine will attack. Lena. Now, the protection from evil given by the cleric's holy symbol applies a minus one penalty to hit for any attacking enemy. That means the serpentine needs to roll a 14 or more. A nine. Lena takes the blow on her shield as she prepares to counter. The fourth serpentine will attack. Bjorn. It needs a 13 or more. But with a nine, Skarne dodges the incoming blow. <laughs> Is that all you've got? Now the party fights back. Beric charges the serpentine attacking Talion. With his attack bonus, he needs to roll a 12 or more. An 18, four. Four points of damage. The warrior's blade bites into the creature's scaly leg. It hisses in pain. Lena counters against the enemy attacking her. She needs a 14 or more. But with a three, the serpentine avoids the strike. Kier had his bow in hand. He quickly knocks an arrow. With his dexterity bonus, and a bonus for short range, he needs a 12 or more to hit. But with a nine, he can't get a clear shot at any target in the melee. Valen, seeing Lena under attack, rushes to her aid. The mage needs a 14 or more. But a two misses jab comes up short. Talion fights back against the Serpentine attacking him. But with a 10, the Serpentine parries with its Faustian. Knut will not arrive for another two rounds, but Arn, Bjorn and Jora all need a 14 or more to land a blow. I have a different coloured d20 for each of them. Here are the rolls. Only Bjorn lands a hit with an 18, doing six points of damage. Ah! Round three. Initiative. The Serpentines, a six. The party, a one. The party remain on the back foot. The first Serpentine will attack. Talion, it needs a 13 or more to hit the Bard. An 18, four. Four points of damage. The Bard tries to dodge, but as he turns, the Serpentine's blade slashes Talion across the ribs. The Bard cries out as blood splatters from the wound. The second Serpentine will attack. Arn, who has come to assist Yora. The Serpentine will need to roll a 13 or more. Here is the roll. A nine. Arn easily evades the creature's blade. The third Serpentine will attack. Lena. It will need a 14 or more. A four. Once again, Lena uses her shield to block the attack. The fourth Serpentine is going one-on-one -on -one with Bjorn. It needs a 13 or more. A 16, four, three points of damage. The Skarne tries to dodge, but the Serpentine's blade cuts into his calf. Now for the party to attack. 
Kier once again tries to fight a target, but with a 5 he is unable to do so. Beric tries again to aid Talion, but with a 4 the big man cannot connect a blow. Lena counters against the Serpentine attacking her. A 14 is a hit for 5 points of damage. The cleric brings her warhammer down hard on the creature's shoulder. There is a crunch as its collarbone is smashed. Phelan jabs forward with his staff. But with the nine, the creature is pushed out of the way by Lena's attack. Talion tries to counter against his enemy. But a nine is not enough, and the serpentine easily parries. Once again, I'm rolling a d20 each for Arn, Bjorn and Yora. They need a 14 or more. A 12, a 10 and a 2. None of the Skarni are able to land a blow. While three of the four Serpentines are injured, it still feels like the enemy has the upper hand. Round 4. The party could really do with winning the initiative. The Serpentines. A 2. The party. Also a 2. Ah, all the actions are simultaneous. I'll resolve the Serpentine's attacks first. The first Serpentine will attack. Beric. It needs a 13 or more to hit. But with a 7, the warrior blocks with his shield. The second Serpentine will attack. It's Yora. The Serpentine will need to roll a 13 or more. Here is the roll. An 18! Oh, that's not good. Yora has just 5 hit points remaining and the Serpentine's Falchion does 1d8 points of damage. Now, I have a house rule that player characters who hit exactly 0 hit points are unconscious rather than dead, but I am not going to extend this to NPC party members, which means that Yora's chances of surviving this attack are 50-50. Time to make the roll. A 5! The Serpentine hacks down with its blade. The rings of Yora's mail are torn open as it slashes the shield maiden from shoulder to midriff. Blood mists in the air. She screams before falling to the floor. Yora is dead. There's no time to mourn though. The third Serpentine will attack. Baden. Not good. It will need just an eight or more to hit. A four. As the blade swings towards the mage's head, Lena thrusts her shield forward to intercept it. The fourth Serpentine is still attacking Bjorn. It needs a 13 or more. But with a 10, the blow glances off the warrior's mail. The party really needs some better dice rolls, else I fear this battle is turning against them. Kier locks the Serpentine attacking Yora in his sights. The rogue will need a 12 or more to hit. A 17! 4! 5 points of damage! The arrow hits the Serpentine in the neck, blood sprays from the wound and the creature writhes in pain. Beric swings his sword against the Serpentine engaged with him and Talion. But with a 3, his blade failed to connect. Lena needs a 14 or more to hit. A 1! That's a critical failure! In moving to protect Valen, the cleric throws herself off balance. She tries to recover but stumbles and falls to the ground. Oh. Lena will miss her next turn. Having been saved by Lena, Valen jabs forward with his staff. An 18 is a hit for two points of damage as he hits the creature in the stomach. Talion slashes with his sword. A 17 for 
four points of damage. The bard's blade comes down on the serpentine shoulder, splattering blood over both him and Beric. Knut finally appears in the doorway. In an instant, he takes in the scene. He drops Talion's bow and drawing his sword, charges at the serpentine attacking Valen. He needs a 12 or more to hit. A 16 for a total of eight points of damage. The Skarnay leader hacks at the serpentine's neck. Its head is completely severed. Sticky blood sprays from the stump, drenching several of the party as the creature falls to the ground, its body still twitching and writhing in the dirt. Arn, enraged that his lover has fallen, thrusts his spear forward. A 19 is a hit for four points of damage. The Serpentine's guard is lowered as it is struck by Kier's arrow. Arn sees an opening and plunges the tip of the spear into the creature's stomach. Blood erupts from its mouth as it hangs impaled before it also falls. Bjorn counters against his enemy. An 18 is also a hit for four points of damage. That's enough. The Skarnay closes in, thrusting his spear upwards. It takes the creature under the chin, the blade puncturing flesh, sinew and bone before piercing its brain. That was an incredible round. There is only one serpentine remaining and it has a single hit point left. Round five, initiative, the serpentine, a two, the party, a four. The serpentine, seeing its comrades fall in quick succession, hesitates. It knows that death is only a moment away. Beric takes advantage, bringing his sword down overhead. A 14 is a hit for... Seven points of damage. Beric's blade splits the creature's head in two. Blood and bits of brain splatter over the big man's face, and it falls limply to the floor. The battle is over. Thank you for listening to Legend of the Bones. I hope you've enjoyed the show. After that battle, I think I need to go and sit down with a nice cup of tea. I don't know about you, but I'm pumped. But before I go and put the kettle on, I must thank and shout out to my amazing cast of voice actors. Giving two for the price of one, first returning to the show as Jarl Harald, and second also voicing Bjorn, is Chris Barrett. Also returning to the show, playing Knut's brother, Ranolf, is Kevin Conyers. Kevin has a blog with all kinds of OSR goodness at floodedrealms.com. You should check it out. And finally, back in the role of Knut, the maestro himself, John Cohen, creator of Tale of the Manticore. My sincere thanks to each of you. The show is so much more the richer for your contributions. You could also help by liking or retweeting new episode announcements, or by recommending the show online or to a friend. I'd also love to know what you think of the show, and I do respond to every message I receive. So with that in mind, you can contact me on Twitter at LegendBones, Mastodon at LegendBones at ttrpg-hangout.social, Instagram at LegendOfTheBones, email at LegendOfTheBones at gmail.com or go to LegendOfTheBones.blogspot.com for show notes, house rules, character profiles, art, maps and more. Join me next time to find out what awaits our adventurers as the Bones decide their fate. None shall escape the destiny of bone.
Have you been looking for a break from the drudgery of the real world? What if the future wasn't so bleak? What if someone was to save us all? How would that look? I must know, does your microwave gun go ding when it's done shooting? Well, you're in luck, because Cybertopia is a rules-like TTRPG actual play that explores just such a reality. We've got this disco ball, which is pretty cool. We've got these two drones flying around in here, uh, dodging me out of the smoke. Check us out on your podcast app of choice, and here are rolling cast of 16 fantastic players take on weird and wild missions that the corporate overlords need taken care of for totally altruistic and benevolent reasons. Okay, this time it's serious. I would like to turn my uh, hacking hat backwards. <laughs>